What's up, everyone? I hope that everyone has had a very blessed weekend and is ready for another great God-given week. Well, I'm your host, Zach Shoemaker, and I'm at my home in Gilbert, Arizona. And I'm truly excited to let you guys hear from some of the most top recent recruits in the University of Virginia Tech, Joe Bamisel, and Xavier Commit, Colby Jones. But to stay up to date, make sure to go follow my Twitter and Instagram as Zach Shoemaker. That being said, let's get right into it. Bless people to welcome the 63rd ranked player in the ESPN rankings and the 13th shooting guard ranking in the class of 2020. Recent Virginia Tech commit and Team Parson Monikin star Joe Bamisella to the 33rd episode of Shoes Views. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Let's get right into it now and talk about your recent commit to Virginia Tech. What went into that and why did you necessarily decide to go to Virginia Tech? Uh, so initially I was uh, committed to uh, Northwestern and I just... Uh, wanted to stay close mm-hmm. to home and it's always been a it's always been a dream of mine to be able to play in the ACC so uh rethinking that and getting the chance to talk to my family again about my college decision I felt super comfortable deciding on Virginia that's Tech. awesome so was this something else like that kind of separated them from other schools um so coach young is uh, went to college with my high okay. school coach. Um, so that's one good connection. So it's like off bat where mm-hmm. pretty, I'm pretty comfortable with him. And then the guy who recruited me, Coach Webster, super cool with. He's known me since I was like 13 or 14. And then Coach Fraser, who's recently got the job at Virginia Tech to be an assistant, was recruiting me at Kansas State, but then switched to uh, Virginia Tech. So I was kind of like super comfortable with the, with the amount of coaches on board with me at Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, and then on top of that, like it fitted my needs of wanting to be at home or closer to home, and also like being able to play in the yeah. ACC. And then uh, I remembered my my visit there. I I had a great time and I liked the environment. Mm-hmm. And then um, I I I thought back and. Mike Young's first day on the job, the first person he came to see was me, you know, and I thought that really meant a lot. That's awesome. Was there something about Northwestern that kind of stood out to you about why you originally wanted to go there? I was super comfortable with the the, the players Mm -hmm. on the team, and I I enjoyed the the vision that uh, the coaches have Mm -hmm. for me there. But then uh, over the course of months and, like, continuing to play, I kind of just envisioned myself Mm -hmm. elsewhere. I mean, that's always something to obviously realize because, I mean – it could be one year and done, but also, I mean, it could be up to four years, obviously. I and mean, that's a big chunk of life that can truly propel you to the next level, which is always to make sure you have the best decision, which is always key. Yeah, I'd agree. Mm-hmm. Is there any other schools you're kind of really looking into? Uh, nah. When I told my family I didn't want to go to the Northwestern anymore, mm-hmm. uh, the only coach I reached out to was Coach Young at Virginia okay. Tech. Okay, that's awesome. So, obviously, just recently now, you guys have just now landed Darius to your team now. Now you have been boosted up to about the number 10 ranking. What's your thoughts on that and being able to play alongside him and many other great players now? I just got off the phone with him. He's a pretty cool mm-hmm. dude. And I feel like a guy like that. I can, And then I think right now we're at 10, but I feel like in in a few weeks or a couple months, we'll be higher than that. We're going to land a couple guys. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think Virginia Tech, especially next year, has a good chance to be really, really good. That's awesome. Hope to be a big part mm-hmm. of that. I mean, it's definitely special. I mean, obviously, they've always been a good school and all, but, I mean, to be able to bring them to the next level would be key. I mean, especially with you being a top 15 and also Darius being a top 15 shooting guard. Yeah. With that being said, though, I mean, being a four-star and being a top 100 player, what does that bring with it? I mean, does it provide confidence, pressure, expectations, or does it drive you to want to be ranked higher? I mean, what's your thoughts on that, and how does it, like, impact you? Rankings and stuff, personally, don't mean too much to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ranked or unranked, I'm, I'm cool. Uh, I got ranked recently, but I confidence hasn't really changed much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would just say it's it's good in terms of introduction that oh, who is this? It's Joe, and then someone says something about a ranking. It gives me no sense of self. Yeah, absolutely. You get out there, and obviously you said you could possibly land some other big players. But what are your expectations like in terms of March Madness? In terms of your personal achievements for when you get out there and play? In terms of like accomplishing stuff and like achieving certain goals personally i don't have that mm-hmm. but every time i step on the floor i i try to to be the best player on the floor you know or do the best i can to 
contribute as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is way more important to me, like in game rather than just trying to accomplish, you know, accolades that one day won't really matter. I just try to give my best effort on the court. No doubt. I mean, that's something I think is very key. I mean, obviously, a lot of people do get caught up in, like, the mixtapes and the fame and all that. But, I mean, not until you yeah. make it to the league. And, I mean, even when you're in the league, it's still, like, you have to keep working. And that's the most important thing because winning. I mean, after you're retired and done playing basketball is when you can enjoy it all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then I'd rather give my best effort than having the most accolades. I feel like... Mm-hmm. The integrity of playing basketball is a lot better than necessarily the notoriety. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think putting your best foot forward and playing with the best effort honestly translates to accolades and all, too. I mean, you look at guys like Draymond and P.J. Tucker, I mean, a lot of these guys, like, they don't necessarily have the fame originally, but because of what they brought to the table and just being a team player, it creates wins, which creates fame. Yeah, facts. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, exactly what I was <laughs> So what are you most excited about when you get to finally step foot on a court, college court? For me, I compete against a lot of dudes in college already, mm-hmm. you know, play pickups and stuff like that. And, like, in the area I'm from, we had, like, a few guys, like, play overseas and stuff that I, that I play often with. So I'm not really – I'm not trying to, like, degrade how excited I am mm-hmm. to play. But at the same time, I don't really – I don't know. The only thing I can think of is that I want to kind of prove to myself that, like, I can do just as good on this level as any other level. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the only thing I can really think yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, definitely being prepared. I mean, that's one of the big things. I mean, you see, I mean, what AAU ball has been so great about, you get to see the guys you'll be competing with pretty much for the rest of your career. I mean, that and just being able to play pickup games, like you said, and all that. And then, I mean, also touching up on the last part you said, I mean, just when you finally do get a walk on the court and be like, you – did accomplish it like you are a d1 player now and that's gonna be pretty surreal too so then i mean this summer you really had a big time summer i mean you were able to blow up and moved up 164 spots between june and july so kind of did you see that coming and what kind of propelled that yeah to be completely honest like i don't really keep up with rankings at all um Mm -hmm. they don't mean that much entirely to me because like no matter what you're ranked, uh, you still got to be on the court and play. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No doubt. I think for me, with that attitude, going to, like, the top 100 camp, for example, mm-hmm. like, dudes who were kind of like, oh, I'm ranked this, I'm ranked that, I was just kind of like, well, I'm really ranked nothing, so I put everything <laughs> on the line. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's a way better attitude than being comfortable with a spot you get in high school. Really, mm-hmm. just the arbitrary number. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I like to tell a lot of people, too. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, I think this last year's draft class truly showed the most of that. I mean, there's how many players that were top-ranked players that fell undrafted second round, late first round, but then there's guys like Jared Culver, Brandon Clark, and so many more that were, like, not even ranked, but they're at the top of the draft class. I mean, do you have an idea? I mean, I know a lot of players that that happens to, like, Maybe it takes until going to junior or even going to senior, even going to the freshman year of college, where it's like they truly finally start getting the recognition and they finally start getting the offers and all the stuff they really want and like they deserve, you know? But is there kind of like, in your opinion, why you see that it takes so long for some people to notice others? I think uh, if if someone plays consistently well, no matter Mm -hmm. where you are, who you are, eventually the recognition you're looking for will come because eventually you'll have to go from playing at the stage you're playing at to maybe playing at a higher stage. And I think uh, mm-hmm. for me, like, for example, I've never got an offer playing AAU basketball. You know, all my offers came over the course of like a high school basketball season. And, mm-hmm. you know, that made me get ranked in things like that. And uh, I just kind of kept that like trend going for a little bit and played a couple of tournaments in the AU season. And then, uh, you know, uh, thankfully, cause I knew certain people, they helped me get into certain camps and things like that. So I think mm-hmm. ultimately it's really just about like doing your job on the court consistently. And then about like who, you know, and who can help you, you know, I think that's super important. Absolutely. I mean, obviously the people that, 
you surround yourself with all these key. I mean, especially just knowing connections are always huge. I mean, at whatever level it is, obviously they help you as a player, but just also getting to the level you eventually want to get to. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a lot of people are good and have the talent, but if you only mm-hmm. show that once every couple games or one or two times over the course of a game, then you're not going to get that recognition. But if you're constantly dominating the competition, someone's going to find you. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I mean, that's something that especially you see. I mean, in my opinion, like when you look at like classes and all, there's so many like actually players that either have the same potential. Like there's just so many great players. It just depends like who truly like wants to work the hardest. I mean, there's so many kids now that you see from so many different countries that know how to play basketball, how much it's developed. But it's like it truly comes down to who wants to work the hardest. Yeah. Talking a little bit more about the top 100 camp, what were some of the biggest things you took away from it? I'd say there was a lot that I learned from my NBA guys. On top of that, like, whenever I had any questions, I wasn't talking to a necessarily, like, old dude who hasn't played in a while. I'm talking to guys who are currently in the NBA. Absolutely. I mean, another one of NBA players, I mean, is obviously Chandler Parsons. I mean, you were able to play with Team Parsons for a little bit. Talk about being with them and how you guys did this year. I think I played, like, three or four tournaments. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, it was a great experience. Um, the head director, Anthony Ricks, you know, he did a lot for me, especially, you know, for things outside of the outside of the AU program. He did a lot mm-hmm. for me as a person, you know, calling guys for me, trying to get me into camps, you know, talking to coaches, you know, things like that. Like, he honestly did did a lot and I feel like it's important to be in a program or situation where you know who who whether it's the director or head coach is really trying their best for you as a person mm-hmm. I mean definitely having someone that like has your back through everything is key and no matter what sport or what field you really want to go through yeah facts that's what I was thinking and mm-hmm. you know I, th- I think having kind of that support and belief system behind me made it easy to you know, move forward day to day. Absolutely. So talk a little more about your club experience throughout all your years. What are some other teams you played with, and how are those experiences? In the eighth grade, did not play AU as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Played in the spring as a sophomore, and then played four tournaments in total as a junior. And for me personally, like, I – personally did not enjoy AAU basketball like most kids do, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, in AAU, there's a lot of egos involved, mm-hmm. and whether that's on your team or other teams, and if you, like, watch an AAU basketball game, it's just kind of, like, pandemonium. Like, mm-hmm. like con- controlled controlled pandemonium. From AAU, guys want the wrong things. They want They want to get ranked. They want to get on social media, they want to be the most famous kid, all forgetting that just, like, playing basketball the right way and working on your game is what's most important. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. On a lot of teams, every kid on the team wants to be the guy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And that's not that's not going to help anybody on that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I 100% agree. I mean, you look at I mean, there's many different, obviously, takes. I mean, AAU does benefit a lot of people. But like you said, I mean – for some of this, it literally is like who can jump the highest or who can do the coolest dunk, which that's cool. And I don't get me wrong. I mean, you can become a professional dunker doing that. But I mean, that's very small amount of like guys that can truly make it to the league that just by jumping. I mean, it's like Derek Jones might be the only guy you really think of. And he even has adapted to other parts of his game. I mean, just truly yeah. working your game and practicing is needs to come first before that. And then for me, like I said, like I have never at any point got a single offer playing AAU basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, by, before I committed back in the spring, I was probably getting recruited somewhere between, like, 20 and 30 schools. None of those mm-hmm. at all came from playing an AAU basketball game. Wow. So I, so I think it's important to really, like, question yourself as a player. Like, when kids don't get what they want, is it because of me or is it because of my situation? And a lot of people mm-hmm. are going to blame the situation before they blame themselves. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that you watch. I mean, AU ball, it, like you said, I mean, it, it is a lot of just 
I mean, it's a lot of politics and it's a lot about fame. And at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, you just got to do what's best for you. And I mean, obviously getting to the next level is what's most important. That's where you obviously see who's on top and who's not. Yeah. That fame and rankings, by the time you get to college, like none of that has any value. And a lot of those people who are top ranked dudes or the most famous guy, like maybe I sat of one or two people, they don't necessarily go one and done. They some of them stay in college and then some of them get lost, mm-hmm. you know. So I think it's important to just have a broadened perspective of what all of that really means. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So one thing I know some people wonder sometimes, how necessarily do like a coach approach and say like they've offered you? I mean, is it like a coach comes and talks to you? Is it a phone call, an email? Or how does that work? Uh, for me, it was phone calls and in-person conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few emails, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I don't have a job. I'm not a 30-year-old working in an office. So I don't really check my emails that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So talking about your high school career, I mean, obviously, like you said, that's where you've got a lot of your big offers. But let's start like at your freshman year. What was it like and why did you originally leave to start playing at St. Christopher's? Um, so I went to St. Chris 7th, 8th, and ninth grade year. And then okay. as a ninth grader, I think I did pretty well for the competition in the area. And I was like, all right, I want to challenge myself somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So I talked to my parents and they let me go to Montvert. And at Montvert, you know, I competed against, like, R.J. Barrett, Andrew Nemhart, and Mike Duvall, guys like that in practice. Had, like, they had seven guys go high major division one. And I'd say I did pretty well against those other guys day to day. And then at the end of the year, I had, like, a like a, like a light injury. And mm-hmm. – I would just I much rather wanted to take care of that injury at home instead of being like hundreds of miles away by myself going through that. So I came home to to fix it and that landed me at Monacan. Um when I wanted to return from uh Florida to Virginia, I had no specific place in mind. I just mm-hmm. told my parents I'd go to whatever public school is in my district and I'm the I'm their first and only child who's ever been to a public school. So for them, they were like, what if that doesn't help with basketball? And I told them that I was just going to put the pressure on myself to make it work for basketball. And then they believed me. Mm-hmm. We went with it. And then junior year was easily the best year of basketball I've had my entire life. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, God definitely has crazy ways of working things out. I mean, you've obviously, like you said, I mean, you got so many different experiences. I mean, playing alongside, like you said, you guys like RJ and all them at Montverde, being a superstar. I mean, getting a high school welcoming kind of that freshman year. I mean, it's obviously something that's key for like you as a person, just as a development as a player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So speaking a little bit more about RJ Barrett, what were some of the lessons you took away from him while you were along playing alongside him or at least learning from him? So one thing I learned from him is that like, if you're really good at doing a few things, and pretty good at doing everything else. Mm-hmm. You have a really good chance to get to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. A guy like R.J. Barrett, I'm not taking anything away from his game. But there are some things he does really, really good that overshadows the mm-hmm. things he doesn't do really good. So I think, mm-hmm. for the most part, I think it's important to have a, like a, a well-rounded game. But being able to like have your strengths overshadow your weaknesses will take you a long way. That's one important thing I learned from him. And then, like, mm-hmm. from a mental aspect, I think I learned that, like, like that dude really loves to, like, win, you know, whether it's pickup or, you know, being in the weight room, who can do the most weight or whatever, just little things like that. That dude's a super competitive guy. No doubt. I mean, those are obviously two big things. I mean, that's something a lot of people don't really think of in terms of the NBA, but that happens a lot. I mean, I know one instance that, like, there's someone like Steve Nash or someone like they had to hide him on defense a lot of the time for someone like they had to have Stoudemire go up and play. I mean, there's so many instances. Melo obviously did that a lot with. I mean, a lot of guys, they overshadow, they shadow different things of their game. And obviously they make it propel as like they're a great player, but it all works together because it's the best of the best and they can recover for what they need to recover for. Yeah. So is there any other schools you might have considered for senior year or are you pretty locked in on where you're at? My trainer, AU coaches, 
coaches I met at the top of 100 camp all telling me to go different places, but I just kind of wanted to pay respect to Monica and the coaches who helped me. Like, as a junior, they were sending out film as much as they can, telling every coach as much as they can about me. And uh, Mm -hmm. I just think sometimes as people, we all get greedy. And I didn't want to get greedy. I really wanted to, you know, embrace the situation I had this year and try to win a state championship as a senior because that's something I didn't accomplish as a junior. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, that's something, especially in the sports world, especially you see in basketball world. I mean, there's a lot of kind of not being loyal. There's a lot of going behind people's back, like you said. So, I mean, be able to just stay loyal is something that's really special and stands out a lot, especially in the basketball world. Yeah, facts. And I think that's one thing I really wanted to go with this year. And then I didn't want to be a guy who goes to four different schools for four years in high school. Mm-hmm. You know? I think. Yeah. If people really knew my situation, then it wouldn't seem as bad that I've been to three. But to the outside looking mm-hmm. in, it's like, okay, why did you go to three different schools in three years? Mm-hmm. Last year, you obviously put up a huge stat line. I mean, I pretty much 29 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, and two assists. What is something you really want to build on coming up to this next season? I think last year we lost too much. Like, I feel like last year I was – I had a lot of fun, whereas this year I really mm-hmm. wanted to be, like, business you know what I'm saying like and then yeah um I want to be more efficient of a player in general like I shot 80 percent from the free throw line this year I want to shoot 90 last year I mm-hmm. shot 50 percent from the floor I want to shoot 60 this year uh, okay last year I shot 32 percent from three I want to get that somewhere between 35 and 40 so just I want to improve mm-hmm. efficiency and then win more games and I think me being more efficient will lead to more one games. No doubt. So in getting ready for some of those games, what's some of the pregame routines you kind of like to do or game day routines you like to do prepare yourself for the day? I'd say daily. Like, I meditate every single day. But mm-hmm. you, know, you know how there's a superstition that if you don't do the same thing before every game, you might not do well? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, my superstition is that if I do the same thing before every game, I'm not going to do well. You know, mm-hmm. I think every day is a new day. Every game is a new game. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's always Absolutely. important to, you know, kind of switch things up a little bit. I'm not saying mm-hmm. one day I go to a party before a game and the next day, like, <laughs> I'm taking a nap. But, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's my pregame workout routine, sometimes I switch that up. Or whether it's, like, my uh, where I go to eat before a game, sometimes I switch that up. Sometimes I'll okay. go back to my house. Sometimes I'll go to somebody else's house. Or I, like, I listen to, like, different playlists. Or it could be something as little as, like, putting on my shoes in a different order or mm-hmm. waiting till right before warm-ups start to get my actual shoes on, but, like, warming mm-hmm. up in, like, stocks or something. Like, I just always try to do something completely different. Same thing kind of comes back down to, like, obviously, like, God always resets everything. I mean, it's, it's a new day and a new thing to be able to set up to make something better. And obviously changed what you did yesterday, which is huge. Yeah. I think, like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of cliche to try to have the same approach to every day and every game because there's going to be things I learned, yes, from the last game, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and there's going to be different schemes game to game. So I think it's just important to, like, kind of be relaxed and do something different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what's one thing that you really pride yourself in the most as a player? Not backing down to any mm-hmm. competition. Like, I'm a really, like, competitive person. I think some days might call for, like, scoring. Some days might call for maybe, like, assisting or rebounding more, or, you know, locking up somebody. But regardless mm-hmm. of what it is, like, I want to be, you know, the best competitor you know, and for me, most most of the time that results in me scoring a, pun, a, a bunch of points. But, you know, I'm not naive to the fact that there's levels to basketball. So however mm. I can contribute to the game the most, that's what I'm going to do. But for, for, the, for now, I'm just going to take my scoring ability as far as it can to keep me in conversations to be able to play and show those other, you know, sides of my game that are just as important to basketball. Mm-hmm. No doubt. 
So is this someone you kind of model your game after? You kind of like want to aim to be like that player someday? No, I want to be the first and last Joe Bamisil. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not the last. If someone wants to be like me, I, I'd be flattered. But I, <laughs> I think, like, why not be an original? You know, if you try to be like someone else, you're always going to fall short. You mm-hmm. know, that's like guys like Steph Curry. Steph Curry's the only Steph Curry. And anyone who tries to be like him will be a minuscule version of him. And anyone mm-hmm. who tries to be like Kyrie Irving will be a minuscule version of Kyrie. And same with every other player to ever play basketball. And I think that being said, mm-hmm. like, I watch a ton of basketball because there are good things that every single player does, not just the ones that are highlighted. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think being able to watch basketball objectively and not having to only watch the good players play makes it easier to have a well-rounded game and my own specific game versus me like studying Chris Paul and trying to be the next best Chris Paul. But I can't because no one has the exact same genetical makeup. You know what I'm saying? No one has the exact same brain or mind. So I think it's important Mm -hmm. just to be your own guy, your own player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you said that perfectly. I mean, there never has been someone that's exactly identical. I mean, there's a lot of people you can compare to, and like, yeah, I mean, there are guys you see that a lot like to take care of characteristics that maybe they don't even plan to of this guy and this guy because just natural basketball, but overall, it's your first, it's your one, and really your only person I'll ever be exactly like you. Exactly. So why take that for granted and try to be like someone else? Exactly. So is there someone you really would like to team up with or someone you played alongside before that you know is, like, a really good dynamic duo person alongside you? If I was talking in terms of Virginia Tech, I played with P.J. Hall at the uh, Top 100 camp. He was on my team. Mm-hmm. So if he wanted to team up with Virginia Tech, they'd be excited. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've also played with Henry Coleman. I played with him for three years when I was in fifth, okay. sixth, and seventh grade. And I actually played recently in a tournament with him a couple weeks, a few weeks ago. So he's a good guy. I like being around him. I wouldn't mind. And Mm -hmm. then just because I'm big on Mark Williams wants to come and join the mob at Virginia Tech, I would not be upset. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, obviously building that team to become a special above top 10 team would be insane. Facts. Especially if all those those guys come, it would be be ridiculous. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see what I can do, work my magic. <laughs> Who do you say is kind of like your favorite NBA team, or do you have one? I, I actually don't. I don't have one. The thing about the NBA is that even even the worst the worst player in the NBA would dominate probably anywhere else. So even the worst team mm-hmm. in the NBA, the worst team in the NBA is probably better than any team outside of the NBA. Absolutely. You definitely look at so much of that, and that's what I think a lot of people take for granted. I mean, there's so many guys that, I mean, yes, in terms of, like, are they bad compared to the NBA guys? Yeah, there are guys that's like that. But, like, like you said, I mean, they make these mixtapes. Sometimes you see of these players that you don't ever really see in the NBA go and play pickup games somewhere, and they go and just absolutely go insane. Like, Drew League, you see a lot of stuff like that. It's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, in your life, who has been, like, your biggest role model? Who's helped you, guide you throughout your life? Being completely honest, there is no – one person I'd say is my role model. Mm-hmm. I I can sit here and talk to a four-year-old kid and learn a ton. So I, I try to learn as much as I can from everyone I, I meet, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a, a short phone call or an in-person conversation for two or three minutes, there's just, like, so much you can learn from a person that's not even trying to teach you anything. And I feel like mm-hmm. that has been my biggest teacher. Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely an answer. I think, I mean, I've never heard of that part before. I mean, that's so true though. I mean, everyone, God's created everyone so uniquely and different where it's like, there's so many different stories. I mean, one thing, I mean, I've seen be talked about and thought about before. I mean, when you're driving I me, mean, how many people do you pass it on? I think about the, all the stories, like there's so many different avenues of life they've all come from. And how much can you possibly learn if you take all the world's knowledge? I mean, it's truly just different and special. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with having one role model, but why keep yourself closed-minded to the fact that there, like you said, there's all these stories and, you know, 
characters that we pass mm-hmm. by day to day. Absolutely. So talking a little about God, I mean, I always like to finish it up and wrap it up talking about him. So how has he helped you the most throughout your career so far? I would say God is a very misunderstood being. You know, people only usually associate God with the good things, but, you mm-hmm. know, at the level of God, there is no good or bad. You know, we, like an, an important verse in the Bible to me is, is the verse that says God is the God who gives and also takes away mm-hmm. because in the eyes of God, nothing that we do is, is there's nothing he can do wrong because he created. And when you learn to come to terms with that, nothing can really shake you anymore. And I think being able to, you know, understand God from a perspective outside of my own being has made it easier to have faith in, in, in Christ, you know, and mm-hmm. I just think it's super important for people to understand that God mm-hmm. is his own higher deity that does not abide by our own rules. And I think in that, you know, you, you find comfort in the fact that, you know, God is doing what's always best for us as people, you know, mm-hmm. and like, for example, I told you I got hurt and had to come back home. If you would ask me at the beginning of my sophomore year, would I ever be at Monaghan or play for, you know, Team Parsons? The answer would probably be no. But mm-hmm. being hurt is what to do to put me in that position. But in the time, I was miserable. But now I'm super. When when no matter what it is, good or bad, I, I'm super open minded about what God can bring from it. Because mm-hmm. most of no the doubt. Mir- most of the miracles that happen for us, the stuff that we would never think about happening just because mm-hmm. we're so in the moment and so ingratiated into our feelings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's something that I don't think a lot of people, like you said, comprehend, realize. I mean, they just really give God a bad rep sometimes. I mean, sometimes when things are going great, it's, yeah, he's amazing. He's that and that. But when things are bad is when they truly rely on him. And it's like, he truly does know exactly the situations that we may not know. I mean, sometimes even, let's say, for the person that's being affected, it might not be a great result and ending for them necessarily, but that result could impact someone outside of them that you might not even ever realize. I mean, it could happen to any field. I mean, there's so many different things that you just get steered down different paths. It's crazy what he can do, but truly it's something that everyone can embrace, and that's when you know he is the leader and he can – truly find what's the best route for you, even though you may not see it now, or even in so many, like five or six years, you may not see it. Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, it's truly been great talking to you, my guy, and I cannot wait to see what you continue to do your senior year and how God continues to bless you the rest of your course, your career, and obviously at Virginia Tech. Best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. No problem. God bless. God bless you, too. Coming up next, you're not going to miss what Colby Jones has to say as he discusses his recent commitment to the University of Xavier. Also, he discusses playing for Alabama Fusion and EYBL and the impact he had on his team, as well as winning the Breakout Player of the Year. Also, playing on Mountain Brook and so much more. You're not going to miss it. Coming up next. I'm excited to be able to welcome the 115th ranked four-star player in the 247 sports rankings, 27 shooting guard in the class of 2020, and the number one player in Alabama, a one-time state champion, and 2019 EYBL Breakout Player of the Year and recent Xavier commit and Alabama Fusion and Mountain Brook star Kobe Jones. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. Let's jump right into your big commitment recently. So why did you decide to go to Xavier? Uh, just the relationship I have with the coaches, knowing I could put my trust in them, and then the networking I'd be able to have there if I didn't end up playing professional and just, like, the overall feel I have from the school. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Xavier, your favorite by far, or is anyone else kind of close to them? Uh, Xavier, they were my top school, but um, you know, like some other good schools, and you know, they like Stanford and Georgia recruit me pretty hard as well. Mm-hmm. But Xavier, they were just my favorite, no doubt. So talk a little about being part of the number, the second ranked recruiting class, and what you guys are expected to do, and other guys coming in with you. Oh, uh, you know, it's just a blessing for us to be number two ranked recruiting class right now. Um, I mean, I stay that way. I don't know, but. It's just, just the guys we have coming in with Dewan and CJ. Hopefully we'll get one more, like, big in there. But I'm excited to play with those guys. Mm-hmm. No doubt. 
So when you walk onto a court and when you're playing, being like the number one player from Alabama and just different accolades that you have, does that bring along like confidence, pressure, motivation, or what does that kind of bring along with it? Uh, you know, yeah, it does give me a certain type of confidence. Just know that the work I've put in, just know I have that those skill sets. But um, you know, there's pressure not from anybody else. It's the pressure I put on myself to play at the level I expect myself to play at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, definitely like you said, the confidence is definitely key. I mean, always being able to play and know that you are there and that you've been able to work towards that's always a big time. Yeah. So what are you most excited about when you finally get a step foot on a college court? Uh, just to be able to finally say I've achieved my dream of playing college basketball at a high level. And I just can't mm-hmm. wait for our first home game when it's sold. I just play on that court. No doubt. I mean, definitely, it's that feeling that you've officially accomplished, that you've got your school paid for, you are being able to play in front of all the great fans. It's going to be something that you can't really make up or replace. For sure. Mm-hmm. So another big part about you is obviously keeping your academics really high. So what importance does that have towards you and being able to keep your 4.0 GPA? Uh, just knowing that I've worked for that to my whole high school career, just to, might as well finish it out one more year and just go hard this last year in my academics. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So who kind of instilled like that drive for academics in you? Was it just self-drive or was it by your parents? Or how did that work out? Uh, no, my mom and my dad, you know, growing up, they didn't. It didn't allow B, so that just carried over into my work ethic in the classroom and just knowing that Bs aren't acceptable, just try to get the best grade possible. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So once you're done playing basketball, right, that be obviously off of college, playing overseas, playing the NBA, whatever it is, what kind of job or what do you, would you like to do? Uh, I haven't decided what I want to major. I either want to major in engineering or economics, so... If I major in engineering, I want to be an architectural engineer, but I haven't decided what I want to do if I decide to major in economics. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about now jumping into college. And if I talk about your AAU ball, playing for Alabama Fusion, for those that don't know, obviously that's Eric Bledsoe's and Marcus Cousins' team. So what's it like playing with them and being a part of that program? Oh, well, it's great. They're great sponsors. You know, they show a lot of love to us, but uh, – it's been great playing with them. I started playing with them in ninth grade, and um, most of the guys that started ninth grade finished out of this year, so we just have that close bond that we'll always have. That's awesome. Definitely be able to be with the team for a long time. Being able to build chemistry is not just great for you guys, being able to build a bond and brotherhood past basketball, but just yeah. being able to be on the court and be able to play as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. So you obviously had a big breakout, and you were able to win the EYBL breakout player. So what was that like, and what kind of caused that? Uh, you know, it's just a blessing, honestly. You know, there's a lot of great players that broke out this year as well. And just to be named, that's just a blessing. But um, I think just my confidence, I had a lot more confidence going to the spring this year than I have any past year I felt. So um, just playing with that confidence and just playing my game. All right, where did your confidence, like, start coming from? Uh, I really have to say my high school, like, when I moved high school, I don't know. Like, I had that confidence ninth and tenth grade year, but just going to, like, the – moving to Mountain Brook and just we just put in like a whole lot more work just have that confidence in my skill set I, I guess that's where it came from mm-hmm. definitely I mean that's always like, like you said we talked about a little earlier I mean that's definitely key just because I think there's a fine line that a lot of players do understand or don't like between confidence and being cocky yeah. I mean being able to be confident is key in terms of like you need that in every field you go down especially in athletics so but like just being able to do that and not remain cocky is always a key thing. And I think that's what a lot of people do respect. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So another thing, like a lot of people take a long time to get recognized. I mean, some people get it starting in middle school or freshman year, but why is it some of those guys like you and some others that like, take a long time to be able to finally get recognized and get to the point where a lot of people know you and respect your game? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, it varies from person to person, but like going like ninth grade, I didn't have any like college attention. Like going into my going into my tenth grade year, I got my first offer from UAB, and then it was pretty quiet after that. Then this past like last summer, I started getting like some mid major offers, and then this past spring, you know, I just blew up with the, all the high majors. But um, I guess mm-hmm. it was more consistency for me, just like doing it like every game and showing that like I can play at a high level. So I guess that for like other athletes, you know, I don't know like what they like can do different but for me it was just more consistency mm-hmm. definitely I mean I think a lot of people get the offers maybe a little younger because of the fact that they do 
do insane athleticism and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, the consistency just – it's truly what lasts forever. I mean, athleticism, as long as you play, won't always be there. I mean, being able to be consistent and do what you do is definitely key, especially when you get to the higher levels, like professional and all. Yeah. So let's jump into a little bit more about your high school career. So what made you decide to originally start off your career playing at Pinson Valley? Uh, you know, that's where I grew up at. That was, that's where I was born and raised at. So mm-hmm. I've lived there my whole life. So I went there in my ninth and 10th grade year. Okay. So then obviously you made the big transfer to Mountain Brook. What kind of led to that and why did you decide to go there? Uh, just uh, my my high school coach got fired after my um, my 10th grade year. So I just wanted to go somewhere that was like the best fit for me and you know, Mamber is one of the top programs in the nation. So, I mean, I felt like that was the best decision for me. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So, talk about more about that. Being able to play for a historical kind of program like there. I mean, they've had multiple great players go on to the next levels. I mean, they've now had three straight state championships. And, I mean, they've been in the state championship six of the seven last years. And they've won five of the last seven. So, what's it like being for a program that's one of the most dominant programs? Uh, it's been great. Just the, just the culture that's around there, you know, we have – one of the top high school like high school coaches in the nation, Coach Bucky McMillan. Um, he just instills hard work in us every day, and um, just that that dip, uh, it's a different grind over here um, at Mountain Brook. Just more than like the local high school teams around here, but just that yeah. installation of just hard work is key. No doubt. So, what was the feeling like when you first were able to win and have that hard work pay off and win a state championship last year? Oh, it was crazy in the state championship game. You know, we had a we had a Pretty um pretty smooth sailing for the first part of this like most of the season we played we you know we beat IMG we're the only like the only team we lost to us this okay. year and we beat Memphis East and like some other high ranked teams but um I mean it was great just knowing like all that hard work we put off in the off season the summer it paid off so it was just a great feeling. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So are there any other high schools you're considering now or anything else like that? Oh, no, no, I'm definitely staying at Mountain Brook. I would never – I don't think I would ever leave here. That's awesome. I mean, definitely better have that much confidence in one single team is key. I mean, to know that that's the best place is always – obviously what God puts in your path to know this is where you need to stay. For sure. Mm-hmm. So for your senior year, what's some of your expectations in terms of, like, team success and also for your own success? Uh, you know, our goal is to win state championship every year. So I feel mm-hmm. like that's one that's our main goal and just be the best team we can be, like on and off the court with um no disciplinary issues, anything like that. But for mm-hmm. me, you know, I just wanna show continue to prove my show my versatility on the court, you know, uh, hopefully get like state player of the year or something like that. But um my personal goals are behind our team success. So whatever my team needs me to do, that's what I'm gonna do. No doubt. That's obviously a big time thing as well. Yep. So what do you pride yourself in as the player the most? I probably have to say defense. That's probably like my my main drive is defense and just creating for others. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that goes a lot underrated. I mean, you see a lot of these guys, it's offense. The mixtapes are obviously 99% of the time offense. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of time, if you have a defender that can shut down offensive player, the offensive player is pretty much ineffective then. Yeah, that's why I just want to be versatile on both ends of the side, on side, both sides of the ball, so. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So what about basketball really sticks out to you, and why do you, like, love love playing this game? Uh, I just – I remember my dad taking me watching my younger – my older brother play when I was younger, so I just fell in love with it, watching watching his games and then shooting the ball on the side, on the side goal. So I just fell in love with it at a young age. That's awesome. So is there someone else, like, out there that you've really played with before at camps or games or whatever – that you know would be like a perfect dynamic duo that you'd love to team up with someday? Uh, I mean, when I was at the MVPA camp, I was watching Jawan play. I was like, damn, man, he's a great point guard. And that's when I already had my offer from Xavier. So I was just – I was thinking about playing with him, and then and it ended up working out. So, mm-hmm. That's awesome. So it's definitely you're saying it's going to be a nice duo there? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's big time. So who would you say is like you're gonna be your favorite NBA team, or who are you kind of rooted for your whole life? Uh, you know, I was a Kobe fan growing up, so I was a Laker fan back then. But you know, I'm not really like a, I don't have a favorite team like that. I mean, I watch, I just watch like I watch Devin Booker and Eric Bledsoe and Boogie. You know, they're like close with our program and stuff like that. So I always watch those mm-hmm. teams throughout the season. That's big time. 
I mean, definitely being an Arizona Booker is one of the bright, only bright spots of the Suns team. But, I mean, all those guys obviously are big-time players across the league. And, obviously, we'll see what boogie happens. Hopefully, he can heal up again. But, yeah. do you think he's going to win the NBA Finals next year? Uh, I want to probably – I have to say the Bucks. That's why I'm, that's what I'm going with. Okay. So who else do you think is going to win the Western Conference? Uh, probably, I have to say the Lakers if they um if mm-hmm. they get like some more like background pieces to complement LeBron and AD. I feel like they'll be pretty good. No doubt. So in your life, who do you say is like your biggest role model? Uh, just I gotta say my fa- like all my family. You know, my dad, my mom, my grandparents, my aunts, all of them, just how hard they work and all the sacrifices they made for me and my basketball career. So they're my role, role models for sure. Mm-hmm. And I always like to wrap up talking about God and how he's helped you the most throughout your career. Oh, he's blessed me so much with such a great talent that not a lot of people get. And with just the just the all the offers I have, you know, some people never never get that chance or they won't get that chance. So it's just a blessing, and he's blessed me so much in so many ways I can't even explain, and I'll be forever grateful for that. But, um, yeah, yeah, God's awesome. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, he's obviously the person that no matter what, like when we've talked about a lot of people say, I mean, no matter what your path is, he knows what's best for you. I mean, at times it might be you're not getting attention, you're not, not things aren't going best, but then he brings you down another direction where it truly shows this is where we're going to go, and at the end it's, Obviously, only perfect scenario, which is what God clearly has his hand in that situation. For sure, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But definitely been great chopping up with you, and I'm excited to see what you're able to achieve your senior year, leading up to playing at Xavier and obviously on. I mean, God's definitely got a special plan for you. Best of luck. Appreciate it, bro. All right, no problem. God bless. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to wrap up this episode with Shoes Zone, where I'm going to let you guys know some of the biggest NBA topics and what my thoughts are on them. You're not going to miss it. It's the fan favorite Shoes Zone coming up right after this. All right, so Team USA is now heading over to Australia to go play a couple extra exhibition games against Australia and Canada. What they won't be having is Kyle Lowry, Marvin Bagley III, Darren Fox, and PJ Tucker. They've all withdrawn from Team USA, but... Good news is that Marcus Smart is back from his injury and he does plan on playing with them. So USA will be carrying 14 guys out there to make the final two clips before they head out to play in China. Now remember, they can change the roster and get down to that 12-man roster all up until that game against the, against the Czech Republic. It's going to be interesting to see who they bring, who's the top 12. People keep forgetting, like, yes, there's a lot of guys decommitting and leaving, but do they have a hint that, well, maybe I won't be making the roster anyways? No, I do not know. I have no idea, but... That is what that possibility is. Obviously, Kyle Lowry would have made the roster. Peter Tucker most likely would have, but a lot of them have injuries that they're dealing with. Now, I went off on the Rich Paul role last week. Thankfully, they changed it a little bit. They only need to be certified by the NBA Player Association, which if you're a good agent, you get, you get certified. So no worries there. I like that. I mean, the other stuff was absolutely ridiculous. Now, for Boogie Cousins, heartbreaking news for the Lakers. It's devastating. I mean, he tore his ACL, obviously, after having his torn quad. Obviously, coming off his Achilles injury, I mean, he's gone through a very rough 18 months, and it, it is horrible, heartbreaking to see. I do hope he gets 100%, obviously, but it is a business, and the Lakers need to make a decision now. They need a center. And um, there's only a couple available. I mean, Joku knows one of them. I don't know how that would work. But I think D- Dwight Howard needs to be signed. Dwight Howard, they are in discussion. They've been now granted permission from Memphis to speak to him. Now, bringing that reunion back would be huge. They need Dwight Howard. He's a double-double machine that still can play at a high level. I talked about that last week. He needs to be in the NBA, and I think LA would be a perfect scenario for him. He knows that his attitude will not get along and get away with LeBron James being there. So he must be signed by the LA Lakers. Now, would Boogie be an upgrade over him? Most definitely. But obviously, Boogie's not an option now. They need Dwight Howard. Now, Tony Parker, his jersey will be retired November 11th against Memphis. Love it. Big time. I knew his jersey was being retired, but that is what it is. Now... Another thing is, Nike did decide to pay high-profile high school athletes. Now, they attempted to, doesn't necessarily say if they did or not. I mean, there are some instances, but emails, texts, and so on were brought forth into court, and one of them was involving Zion Williamson. Not much of a shock, we kind of were pretty much confident in that, but it is now official pretty much. It's brought in court. I don't know when we're ever going to get the full ruling of this whole scandal issue, but there are issues, as we assume. 
Joe Sy now officially has bought the Brooklyn Nets from the former owner, Mikhail Prokovich. Big time buying. Kind of figured it was going to come over from there. But now it's officially Joe Sy's team. He also bought Barclays now 100% for $1.35 billion. Now, following those moves, the CEO, Brett Yormick, he's now resigned from the Brooklyn Nets. They will have to fill another man there. Brooklyn's having a huge change, not just on the roster, but on the staff. I mean, Kenny Atkinson, Sean Marks, they're stable, but we've lost the assistant. We obviously lost the assistant GM. They've lost the scouts. They've lost so many different pieces, assistant coaches, and so forth. But overall, we'll say this roster pans out, but I think it's still going to be great. Sean Marks knows what he's doing. Kenny Atkinson's one of the best coaches in the entire NBA. Now, to wrap this up, Sebastian Talfair. You guys remember him? This is truly heartbreaking. This is the difference between what high, putting yourself to high standard. I mean, you see two superstars out of that out of that class, the recruiting class, LeBron James, Sebastian Telfair. Absolutely studs. One went on to debatably the greatest player of all time. One of the greatest icons, not just for basketball, but in all American history. The other lasted on many different NBA rosters, being just slowly degrading out of the NBA. to now being arrested for three years. He's been now sentenced to three years in prison for illegal gun possession. If you guys saw the photos of what was in his car, it's shocking. How he's gone down this path is heartbreaking. Now, can we change? Can God change him? Most definitely. I sure hope he does. But it's heartbreaking to the potential that Sebastian Telfair had to where he is now. Absolutely heartbreaking. That's what I got for you guys on Shoes Zone. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. But that does wrap up Shoes Views, episode 33. so much everyone for joining me on shoes Views episode 33 i hope you guys all enjoyed it i'm gonna be catching you guys later this week on wednesday i also got something special planned for you guys on friday that you're truly not going to miss everyone stay tuned big time things are changing on shoes views another big time series coming with dream vision i got a very special one it comes with magic coming up as well after that so many big things that you guys are not going to miss so stay tuned everyone make sure to go follow me on instagram and twitter as x shoemaker that being said everyone shoes is out everyone go be the light of god and god bless Thank you.